Thanks, Luke. Good morning, everybody. It is a sleepy morning after those of us who were here late last night for that Christmas banquet. So I see many faces who were here with us last night. It was, it was a good time. There was a number of people that we hadn't seen before, people from the community, people that you folks had invited and brought out, and that is really a big part of why, why we did that. We do it to celebrate Christmas and to be together at this time of year, but also to see if there are other people that we can engage in community and uh, hopefully engage in, uh, in a relationship with Jesus Christ ultimately. This is our goal for existing and for everything that we do. And Christmas is upon us. And so Christmas is this time of year that I think, I think we'd all agree is a season that is about family, friends, and faith. Now, if you want to argue with me, all you have to do is look at my calendar from last Christmas, and you'd see that those are basically the categories that everything falls into. And you might have a similar calendar to mine, where, where there's a lot of events to do with family, a lot of events to do with friends. There's a lot of uh, church services and events and parties, a lot of things related to faith that happen this time of year. There's also a lot of shopping, shopping that happens, especially for family and, and for the kids, because they love that part. And there's always that mystery of what to get this year. And I was having a quick look at what some of the big toys are this year. I thought maybe fidget spinners would be on the list still, but apparently that was a fad from like, like three months ago. So that is like so September, right? <laughs> now it's December. I was actually surprised, but two of the top, well, I wasn't surprised by one. I was surprised by one of the top two gifts. Now, number one, you can probably even guess, the number one toy that people are still asking for is Lego. That's classic. Lego's been around. But the other one that was in the top two was surprising to me. Apparently, My Little Pony is a big thing still, which I had no idea about. Our kids are grown, so we didn't know about that. But that's apparently what's on a lot of people's Christmas lists this year, for the kids anyways. But it is this time where there's festive events and family gatherings and there's office parties and shopping to be done and, and definitely Christmas services to be attended at church. As we remember Jesus, who, as it said, is the reason for the season. And these events really, to a great extent, form the basis of what we come to know as our Christmas traditions. These things that happen annually around this time of year. And if you're anything like me, there's one other tradition I haven't mentioned yet that probably exists within your life, and that is the tradition of busyness. It gets very busy. And that tradition of busyness has the effect, it has the ability to actually erode our ability to maintain other traditions. So in light of that reality that exists in many of our lives, this Christmas, we want to sincerely invite you to consider what traditions you're observing. What traditions will you have experiences with this year? What traditions perhaps will you establish? Maybe what traditions will you reestablish this year? And maybe when it's all said and done, some of those traditions will center around the home. Perhaps around a chair and a fireplace. Maybe around the TV as the family watches a Charlie Brown Christmas, another classic Christmas tradition. Maybe gather around the Christmas tree come Christmas morning as you open presents together and just enjoy being with one another. Maybe a tradition will include attending a, an ugly Christmas sweater party. You've probably heard of those, they're catching on. We're going to do our own next Sunday. So if you've got an ugly Christmas sweater, wear that next Sunday. I've already got mine picked out and it's got lights. It's going to be some fun. <laughs> <laughs> if you got one, wear it next Sunday. If you haven't got one, you can find them in stores. They're all over the place nowadays because it's a popular tradition that happens at Christmas. Maybe your traditions will involve Christmas banquets and Christmas services where we come together and we sing and we read the Christmas story and we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. But especially, we hope that you will make Christmas Eve one of your traditions this year. 
and that you will make part of your schedule plans for that evening to come together with us at 5 o'clock on that Sunday, December 24th, to come together as a church family, with church community, with friends and family, to come into this place to sing songs, Christmas carols, and songs about the arrival of Jesus Christ, to hold that candle as we sing Silent Night, and to hear a message of the hope, joy, peace, and love that is so much part of this season. Above all these things, one tradition we want to have take root this year, we want you to feel at home in this place. We want you to feel like you can come to this place and bring your friends and family here during this season. We want to be an important part of your Christmas season. So we invite you to come home for Christmas, to come home with us to this place for Christmas. And our prayer is that this season will warm your hearts and will remind you of the greatest Christmas tradition, and that being remembering the birth of Jesus, who should be the center of all that we do, especially at this time of year. And so to kick off this Christmas Advent season, I'm going to begin with a bit of a public service announcement for you. Because you may not be aware, but the reality is, is there are only 22 more sleeps until the big day arrives. Now for many of you, yeah, ooh, I know it's coming, right? Now for many of you, that's going to cause some panic to rush over you because there's so much to do. And some other people may not even be phased by that. Because you're done. You've done your shopping. You've done your decorating. The Christmas cards are sent. You know, decorations are up after Labor Day. No waiting until it's December 1st kind of stuff. Now, Christmas lights can be a challenge. Have you got your Christmas lights up yet on the outside of the house? Because you only have a few nice days left to do that if you haven't. Or you could adopt a trick that I have. You just leave them up. (laughs) You just leave them up. And if the neighbors say anything, there's there's a trick to this. You can say, well, I left my Christmas lights up because I want to enjoy them at New Year's. And they become New Year's lights. And then you can say, well, I want to enjoy them as Easter lights. And and then there's the opportunity to enjoy them as Canada Day lights. And then you also have Labor Day lights and you have Thanksgiving lights. And then it's Christmas again. And so you can just leave them up and enjoy them all year round. It's one trick you can use to beat the rush in getting those lights up. But I find that people who do decorate early tend to be pretty proud of that. Pretty proud of the fact that they got that done. So I'm curious who you folks are. So who has all of their shopping done by a show of hands? Wow. We are not here to make enemies. But, <laughs> so, all right. So there's a number of you who got your shopping done already. So who perhaps has all of their decorating or most of their decorating done in their house? Wow, lots. Yeah, decorating is a little more common this time of year. Now, here's a question. Who had their decorating done before the end of November? So prior to just a couple days ago. So it wasn't this weekend. Okay. Now, we can't decorate until November 23rd in our house because our eldest son, Sam, his birthday is November 22nd. And he has a rule that we can't have Christmas until after we celebrate his birth. So (laughs) we have to do that first. So any decorators by mid-November? Nope. None. Oh, there's a couple. We got one. We got one decorator mid-November. So we're kind of a late-season crowd. I hear that that, uh, Tiana enjoys Christmas music after Labor Day, Halloween. (laughs) Pretty early. Well, there's been lots of decorating going on around here for the last little while, but it's been so busy, season of busyness, with the decorating, the planning, the services, the festival, the uh, banquet we had. We didn't quite get it all done because we have one tree left that's, that's not quite decorated yet. So I was wondering if, 
I was wondering if we could decorate the tree, if we get some help to decorate that tree. Since, Tiana, since you are such a, a big fan of, of decorating, I wonder, Ryan, would you guys, maybe a couple of the youth want to help us decorate our tree? Get that done? That'd be okay? Well, fantastic. So you guys can come up here. Yeah, we can just do it right now while I'm talking. So just keep it down, right? <laughs> so behind the black curtain, you're going to find decorations and some step stools. There's ladders there. Now, it's near the edge. So be careful, okay? I don't want to hear anybody falling over the edge there. So, so if you guys can decorate that tree, that would be a great help for us. Now, we're going to be done here around quarter after 11. Don't stay past 2, okay? <laughs> don't stay past 2 to get that done. All right. Thanks for doing it. We'll check back in with you guys in a little while there. All right. Well, with only 22 more sleeps until, until Christmas, there is a lot to get done. There, there is much to get prepared. So for today's message, I wanted to help us get into a bit of that Christmas season, if you will, the spirit of Christmas, and to look beyond the trees, to, to look beyond the presents, the parties, the festivals, and ask you to consider, what does it look like? What does it mean to prepare your heart for Christmas? Another way that this is said sometimes is somebody would ask you, are you in the spirit of Christmas as of yet? Maybe you've heard that phrase, but have you ever stopped to wonder, what does it mean to be in the spirit of Christmas? I suspect you haven't necessarily found a definition to that. Well, a little while ago, a newspaper journalist thought he would do some research and investigation into what does that phrase actually mean. He wanted to come to the best definition, understanding of what it means to be in the spirit of Christmas. And, and here's the conclusion he came to after all of his investigation, all of his interviews, all of his research. And the conclusion he came to is that the spirit of Christmas is that it's in your heart. And that it feels warm and glowy. It's not even a word for a journalist. But warm and glowy. You can't buy it, and you can't get it from anybody else. Well, that puts language, perhaps, to what we feel when we talk about the spirit of Christmas, but it doesn't really answer the question. It doesn't really tell us what it is. It doesn't tell us where it comes from. It, it, does it come from the music? Does it come from the presents, from the trees? Does it come from the lights? Where does it come from? Well, I want to suggest to you today that that the true understanding of the spirit of Christmas is much, much deeper than all of those things. As, as fine and enjoyable as all those other things can be, the true spirit of Christmas is found much deeper and is found in believing that the story of the Christ child is true. It's found in believing that the story of God coming to earth in the form of a child is true. And there are many people this year who will celebrate Christmas without knowing and believing this truth. Because they're disconnected from that reason for the season. Which I would suggest to you would be similar to attending a wedding reception and not knowing the bride or the groom. You're at the festivities, but you're not quite sure how to engage in a personal relationship with those who are there. And so I don't want us to start this Christmas season. I don't want you to let yourself, with 22 more sleeps to go, of skip this opportunity to prepare our hearts to receive Jesus Christ. Perhaps for the first time. Perhaps we can enter into preparing our hearts that we can celebrate him once more this year. And we can see that Jesus Christ in the form of that child laying in a manger is living proof that God loves you. Now one of the greatest stories that we find in the Bible about being called to prepare our hearts is found in the opening verses of the book of Mark. Mark 1, 1. And unlike Matthew and Luke, who start their accounts of Jesus' life with telling the story of the first Christmas, Mark starts somewhere else. Mark begins the story by immediately telling us what his entire book is going to be about. 
And he gives away the ending right from the very beginning, from the very first verse. And he gives away the ending when he says, this story I'm going to tell you, it's this, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He just kind of blurts it out right at the very beginning that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is that long-awaited Messiah. He is the one you've been waiting for. He is the one that you knew was going to come one day, that was going to save you, who was going to set you free from the sin in your life so that we can all be part of God's family, so that we can come home to God and his family and live with him now and forever. But the people who were living at the time, the people that were living at that time when this was initially written and the initial audience for this letter, they didn't know this yet. They were still in that season of anticipation, in that season of waiting for the Messiah to arrive, similar to what our season of Advent is about. It's a season of anticipation that in the days ahead, we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. And while they were in that season, they did know something was up, though. They did know that something was happening and that God was on the move, and they needed to get ready for it. Because hundreds of years earlier, God had spoken through his prophets, and he had declared this. He had said, I will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. He will be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight paths for him. Now, when Mark brings up this old prophecy from hundreds of years earlier, he's referencing the prophets Malachi and Isaiah. And he's reminding the people that God had promised a forerunner would come first. A, a person would come who was heralding the soon arriving Messiah. And in that culture and time, before a king, for example, would come visit a region, they would send a messenger ahead of them to tell the people. And this happens to ensure that the people are preparing themselves. That the people have readied their hearts. That they're ready and able to receive and welcome the king when he arrives. It had a very practical application. It meant that if the king was coming to your region, you had to make preparations. There were obstacles and there were barriers that had to be removed to, to make sure his arrival was not delayed, to make sure that it was fully received by the people. This would practically mean things like repairing roads so that there were less speed bumps along the way, so that there weren't any detours that he had to travel, so that he could be as straight as a Roman road to where he was trying to get to and not be delayed at all. In Edmonton, this would mean we'd have to get rid of the train crossings. Right? That kind of, imagine Edmonton with no train crossings. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's what that would look like, right? But, but beyond the practical side of preparing the land and cleaning up the buildings, there was also this idea that we had to prepare festivities. We had to get people ready to, to be reminded of the goodness of the king so that when he arrived, they weren't out there protesting. They were there celebrating the arrival of the king. So that they knew when he was coming, they had opportunities to clean up their act before that day when he showed up in their region. And all of this was done, this, this idea of a forerunner in this time and place was done to create an atmosphere of anticipation of something significant that was about to happen. Now in this case, the forerunner is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is the one who is called to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, this isn't a mission that he just woke up one day and thought, hey, this needs to get done, so I'm going to go do it. This is the type of a mission that was actually given to him, and it was foretold before he himself was born. See, if we open up the Gospel of Luke, where we find one of the stories of, of Jesus' birth, remember there's a part of the story where the angel arrives to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to be pregnant with a son, and you need to name him Jesus. 
before the angel showed up to Mary, we read that the, actually the angel arrived and presented himself to Mary's uncle, Zachariah, and said, Zachariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son, and you need to name him John. Now, if you're tracking with that, that John that was going to be born was John the Baptist, and that means that that John was Jesus' cousin, who was born around the same time that Jesus was. And here's what the angel said would happen for Jesus' cousin, John. He said that he will go on before the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. He will make a people ready. He will prepare a people for the one that is to come. He will prepare a people for the Lord that is to come. So John has a high calling and a high purpose that exists before he's even born. And that calling is to prepare the way for Jesus. And years later, when he would finally take those steps towards beginning that mission, we find him in the desert as a curious fellow who was out there wearing camel hair clothes and eating grasshoppers. Not the type of lifestyle you're going to find promoted in Home and Garden magazine. You might find it in Mid-Eastern editions of Cabela's, but you wouldn't find it in Home and Garden. And his message also was challenging. Not just his pure appearance and his lifestyle, but his message was challenging and confronting. Because he was calling people to come to the desert to repent. He was calling people to acknowledge that they were living contrary to God. And that they needed to not only stop doing that, but as we learned a few weeks ago with the message remorse versus repentance, not only do they need to stop living contrary to God, but they need to change their mind about God. They need to change their mind about God's will and about God's ways and about who God is and why that matters in their lives. And come into agreement that God's way is better. And start following that better way that he has laid out for them. Now for John, preparing the way of the Lord is not about parties, not about festivities and decorating buildings. It's about preparing people's hearts. Preparing their hearts for Jesus' arrival. To remove any barriers that may exist. A barrier like a hard, distant heart from God. And you can expect that this message would be unpopular. You can imagine today how that gets received in people's lives. Repent. Return to the Lord. How does that get received in today's culture? Well, I suggest to you it wasn't that much easier back in the time of John either. It's a hard, confronting message. We'd expect it to be unpopular. But Mark tells us that when John was proclaiming this message, that people were flocking to the desert to hear him. He says this. He says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Now, there's, there's some hyperbole there. I don't think the streets of Jerusalem were completely vacated as they all went to the desert. But he's trying to explain that this was extremely significant to everybody. And many of them, over a period of time, did go and make that journey out to them. And when they got out to the desert where John was, they confessed their sins. And they were baptized in the Jordan River by him. Now, here's a question for you to consider. What in the world would make people decide multitudes of people decide to make what amounts to a 20-mile journey on foot or on mule at best to leave all of their responsibilities and their jobs behind, to pack up their families, to, to buy and prepare, to bake and pack up all the food they would need to make that journey, to go out into the middle of nowhere to listen to a camel hair-wearing, grasshopper-eating recluse. 
What would cause them to do that? I want to suggest to you that what it is, is a spiritual hunger that existed within them. A spiritual hunger that I believe still resides within people to this very day. A hunger that still exists within your friends, your families, the people you work with, the people you go to school with. A hunger that still resides within them today. And a hunger that needs to be called to the forefront within their lives. Because I believe with all my heart that God has designed within the human person what amounts to a homing beacon. There's this homing beacon within each of us, this internal compass that guides a person home. And when it's pointed in a different direction, you can feel the dissonance within your soul. You can feel the distinction within your spirit that says there's something off. We need to recalibrate. And that homing beacon draws the person back home. In this case, home to God. And during this Christmas season, people are much more attuned to that homing beacon within them. People are much more attuned to the things of God because that beacon, I believe, is so active and loud at this time of year. And for the next 22 sleeps, we have the opportunity not only to prepare our hearts, not only to make sure ourselves have the opportunity to come home for Christmas, we have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that perhaps others for the first time could respond to that calling in their soul and spirit. And they too can come home for Christmas. So today, I want to respectfully take the place of one who is heralding the coming of Jesus. I want to be that voice in your life who's calling out to you. Prepare your hearts for the arrival of Jesus. Get ready for Christmas. And in these next 22 sleeps, if we're going to truly experience the spirit of Christmas, I think it begins... By considering one big question. By considering the one big question that is, do you know Jesus this Christmas? Do you know him this Christmas? Because your familiarity and your understanding of a person changes the whole experience. Consider, for example, that according to the Edmonton International Airport in 2016, just last year, that they serviced over 7.5 million people. I was, I was stunned by that number, but that's off their website. 7.5 million people came through Empton International in 2016. Most of them you don't know. Most of them, you had no idea they even were there. Some of them perhaps you knew something about. But if we're honest, we really didn't, really, really didn't care about 7.5 million people who went through the airport or were serviced by the airport last year. But on that rare occasion, Someone you know is scheduled to arrive at the airport. And when that happens, when somebody you know and you love is coming, it's a whole new story. Because you anticipate their arrival. You prepare for their landing. See, my parents come to town probably about twice a year. And when we hear they're coming, we circle the date on the calendar. Nadine sometimes takes days off work to get ready for them and to be off work when they arrive. We plan dinners. I check if the Eskimos are playing or if the Oilers are playing based upon the time of year. We clean the house. We prepare the guest room. Why? Because we love them and we know them and they're coming and we want their arrival to be significant because we know them. So in light of this, consider the difference between celebrating Christmas knowing and not knowing Jesus Christ. 
Two completely different experiences based upon the fact of do we know Jesus this Christmas. But God wants to be known because God came near us in Jesus Christ so that we could personally know him. As was foretold centuries earlier, that when Jesus arrives, his name will be Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. You see, God landed in a manger on that first Christmas in the form of a babe to be with us. And each year, we celebrate the fact that we can know God for ourselves. When the angels arrived that evening to declare to the shepherds what was happening in a stable down the road, the angels declared to the shepherds on that first Christmas, I bring you good news. They were heralding the good news that was going to cause great joy for all people. Because God wanted to be known and to be for all people. And the good news that was for all people was that a Savior had been born to you. And that Savior is to be your Messiah. And when we open up our hearts to the truth about Jesus, that's where he comes to live. He comes to live and to reside with us in our hearts. And so in part, that reporter's findings were true. When he was defining the spirit of Christmas, and the first thing he said is it's in the heart, he got that part right. Because when we open our lives to Jesus, he comes to reside within us and live in our hearts. He got that part right. But I want to suggest to you as well that we can catch a glimpse of Jesus in so many other ways, in so many of our other Christmas traditions. Consider, for example, what we can see Jesus in the Christmas music that we'll be singing starting, well, for people starting back as far as Halloween back, but especially this season from Advent forward and all the Christmas music we're going to hear, these timeless songs that tell of Jesus' arrival, beloved melodies that I encourage you to not just listen to the songs, but actually listen to the words, to listen to the themes, listen to the message they're trying to convey. Now, I know not all songs work. It, it doesn't work the same way for Let It Snow. We don't want to listen too close to that one. I know it doesn't work the same way for Jingle Bells. I know it certainly doesn't work for that song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. That's actually kind of a creepy song, if you listen to that one. But, but if you listen to a song like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that tells of the incredible theology and just draws these Old Testament prophecies of anticipation. You can find it in songs like Silent Night and, and O Whole Holy Night that tell of the arrival, the birth of Jesus. It's not just the melodies, it's the words, the songs, the meanings that come through them. We can also see Jesus in the Christmas events that we're a part of. As we gather together with, with family and friends and co-workers. You know, one tradition of this part of the year is the increased demands upon your calendar to gather together in events. And I want to challenge you to say yes to as many of those as possible. To seize those opportunities to celebrate with perhaps fellow believers as we come together in church services or homes or, or on Friday night when the prime time gets together to celebrate Christmas. And we can remember the love, the joy, the hope, and the peace that is so much a part of this season. But I also want to encourage you to seize those moments where you can gather with people who perhaps don't know Jesus this Christmas. Because as I mentioned, there's an increased openness to the things of God, to the name Jesus during this season. And to remember to invite those people to come with you to Christmas Eve. To invite them to come to events like the primetime event. Invite them to come with you Sunday morning. And if you do, I make you this promise. I promise you that each Sunday and on Christmas Eve, 
they will hear the truth about Jesus Christ. I promise you that they will hear the good news of Jesus Christ and the difference he can make in their lives. If you will invite them, I will make sure that exists each Sunday of this Advent season. We can also see Jesus in things like decorating. We can see him in the presents we buy. You see, it's not just about commercialism of the season, this part of it. We're familiar with this in our lives in different areas, with this concept that when we appreciate and value something, we tend to dress it up a little bit. There are people who got dressed up for the banquet last night. If you have an anniversary coming up, there's a good chance you're going to dress it up a little bit. You're going to put some extra care into getting ready. You're going to put that shirt and tie on. You're going to wear your pearls to go up for your anniversary dinner. We also tend to give gifts during special events and occasions. And when we buy a gift, we also have a tendency to wrap that gift because we want to increase its presentation. We want to increase and give this, this tangible aspect of the value that we place in it in the person we're giving it to. This isn't just existed anniversaries and Christmas. It happens during graduations and, and weddings and Christmas parties and services that we go to. We, we tend to fancy it up a little bit. And we're so thankful, as Luke mentioned, for all the volunteers that have helped us do that so far this Christmas season. We're thankful for these guys who are helping us to do that. Wow, that tree's really changing, hey? Fantastic. We're going to get back to them in a second. You guys are doing good. But likewise, one way that we can show appreciation and anticipation and value in our celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ is by doing some of these things, the decorating and making it a special time of year. And that's what these guys have been doing. They've been helping us to, in a way, celebrate. They've been helping us even, could we say, Ryan, don't fall... We could even say, now why would they put Ryan on the ladder? <laughs> but that's the sidebar. You know, the, these guys are not only helping us to celebrate and get ready for Christmas, we could also say they're helping us to worship. Because when we put our best forth, when we want to put our very best forth for the purpose of Jesus Christ, we're worshiping him. And I really appreciate that you guys have doing that for us today. So we're going to wrap up pretty quick, though. And you guys beat your 2 p.m. deadline. So, so when you guys are done hanging your last bulbs there, please feel free to, to have a seat there. That looks fantastic. Can we, can we give them a thanks? Well done. So, parents, you know that your teens have a skill. And when they say, I don't want to decorate the tree, you know they can do it. You know they had to do it. Thank you so much for helping us with this, with this aspect of celebrating the Christmas season. We can fancy things up a little bit when we appreciate them, when we, when we want to show added value to them. And so as John the Baptist stood on the Jordan River calling people to prepare themselves for the coming of the Messiah, so too for Christmas, I hope you can gain and get a sense of appreciation for the need for us too, to know and to recognize Jesus in everything that we do and everything that we see this Christmas season. And I can tell you this, it won't happen by accident. It only happens by choice. It only happens if we will choose to make him part of everything that we do this Christmas season. You know, and as wonderful as the announcements as the birth of a baby is, John's message points to an even greater promise. A, a promise that gives even greater reason to want to know Jesus beyond the Christmas season. You see, John came with a message. And his message was this, is that one after him was coming that was more powerful. So powerful he was not worthy to step down and undo the straps of his sandals. He said, I come and I baptize you with water. 
But when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, as a forerunner, John could only point that compass in the direction of the coming Messiah. He could only point people in the right direction. He could only encourage them to get ready. And he said, this one that I want to get you ready for, this one who is coming, he is so incredible. He, he was saying, you know, guys, as important as you think I am, as, as much respect as, as you, you place upon me by coming out to this desert to come and listen to me speak and allow me to baptize you, as much as that importance and respect you place upon me, folks, you need to understand that I'm not even worthy to stoop down and touch his shoes. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and be a slave in the service of him is how great and awesome this Jesus is, this one that is coming. And the distinction between these two is so clearly seen in the baptism and in the message that they brought. You see, John brought this baptism with water and a message of preparation. But Jesus would come with a baptism of the Holy Spirit and a message of completion. Because he would complete the work that was promised. He would complete the work that was heralded. He would be the one who would come and he would finish it. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That his life and ultimately through his death and his resurrection, Jesus would complete what was initiated at his birth. And what he completed was the ability for us to be forgiven. For us to find freedom through the grace of God that is available to all people. And this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is the hope that we have during the Christmas season. And it's the hope that we remember and we reaffirm each time we come to this communion table. Do you know Jesus this Christmas? Are you preparing your heart to see him in the things of Christmas? You see, the baby in the manger is living proof that God really did love the world so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. Jesus came near to us in the Christ child. He lived among us and ultimately he gave his life to save us. Because every single one of us is guilty of violating God's law, of guilty of violating his perfect truth and will. There's not a single one of us who is without sin. And, and and we seek after things to, to compensate for that, to, to fix that. But, but the religions and the philosophies of this world are, are simply amounting to a search for God. A search for things that will make ourselves right with God. But when we come to Jesus Christ, we find the truth that God came searching for us. God came to us and made a way for us to be right with him. Which is what Jesus accomplished upon the cross. And so this table that we will come together at in just a moment is for all of those who have come to Jesus, for all those who have come home to him, who have received him into their hearts and placed their faith and their trust in him. Therefore, we remember the bread, which is symbolic of his body, which is broken for us. Remember the cup, which symbolizes his blood, the life-giving blood, that without it, he dies, but without it, he lived because of his blood that was poured out for us. So perhaps you find yourself here today and you're already into that season of preparation. You have been preparing your hearts. You, you are anticipating this Christmas season. I don't just mean with, with shopping and decorating trees and, and presents and, and activities. I mean, perhaps you've engaged in a Christmas devotional. Perhaps you, you've refocused your prayer life 
to really emphasize upon the incredible gift of Jesus. Perhaps you're in a moment where things are going well in your life and, and you're excited and anticipating this Christmas season. But I know there could very well be others here who as we look at this, they've, they find themselves saying, I don't know if I know Jesus. And you have the opportunity for the first time to know him this Christmas. If you have never placed your faith in him, I invite you to come in your heart and do that now. Perhaps also you find yourself in a moment of personal battles and struggles where this Christmas you're more defined by weariness, where you feel like you just won't be able to stop losing and there's this lack of hope. You feel defeated. Well, as we come to this table, I also want to reassure you that hope is found in Jesus Christ and that he invites you to come now too. He invites you to come to this table. Perhaps you find yourself in a time of testing and trial and you're not sure what tomorrow holds. I want to encourage you that Jesus has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to share in that burden with you and he too invites you to come to this table, to come home for Christmas, to where salvation is found to where the love of God that first arrived in that manger and then decades later gave his life for you is found. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. Then after I pray, I'm going to invite the servers to come forward and join me at the front here and give you opportunity to prepare your hearts as well. And then we will distribute the elements and we'll receive those together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are in this moment of anticipation, in this moment of, of preparation, not just for Christmas, but to come to this table that you call us to come home to, to this place where we come together in, in, in fellowship with one another, but with you as well. Lord, for those who may be here today that don't personally know you this Christmas, God, I pray that the spirit within them, that that, that homing beacon would be going off loud in their heads, would say this is what makes all the difference, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year and all the years of our lives and beyond. God, for those who are here, I pray that this in their hearts right now, that they would, that they would respond to the Spirit, that they would say, Jesus, thank you for being born. Thank you for, for living and teaching these truths we can guide our lives by, but above all, thank you for dying upon the cross for my sins that I can be free from them, that I can be saved from them. I accept your gift of salvation. And I want to walk with you this season and the seasons beyond. But I also know that there are those who, who are struggling with different family situations, health situations. There are challenges this Christmas season, Lord, things that seem to well up of, of people who were at the table last year but aren't at the table this year uncertainties of what's going to happen with trying to provide for a family. Lord, during those moments too, we know that you call those people to come as well and to find their hope in you, to find their peace and comfort in you, to find fellowship in your people, but also coming together around this table to reaffirm our belief and faith in you. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to do this on a regular basis, but particularly at the start of the Advent season, where this mingling of life and death come together in the person of Jesus.